to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching. We're, we're still here. Praise God. I'm, I'm thankful to be living in this community. I'm, I'm glad to be here this morning. And I'll tell you, you know, Jerron, uh, as we all know, he's an unbelievable expository preacher. He just gets into God's word and he just cuts it apart for us so well uh, every week. And, you know, Revelation is such an interesting book. To work through. And when he said, you know, can you preach for the next couple of weeks? I said, yeah, but I'm not doing Revelation 8, right? You know, and um, it, 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 he does such a good job with it. And as he's worked us through Revelation, um, it's just it's just been so much different for me this time as I have listened to all, you know, all the visions and, and the figurative and, and literal speech and all the different things that are going on and all the truth that is there within that book. It, it is such an incredible book. Of, of hope and encouragement. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm starting to see that more and more and more, right? It's an unbelievable book of hope and encouragement, folks. It's something that we need to be reminded of all the time in this world we're living in today, right? When we look at all the crazy stuff that's going on, you know? Here's the deal. I, every week, I mean, he's up there, and I, this is what I hear drawn, every book he goes into, I mean, every chapter, God, God's calling the shots. It's just that simple, right? God is in full control. I mean, I start getting excited. I start getting up on the edge of my seat when I start thinking about this stuff, and he's working his way through it. He's in full control. There are governments. There are leaders within our governments that have this illusion that they're living in where they think they are in control. They're not in control. God is the one who is fully in control. God has determined all future events according to his purpose and his will. Amen. I mean, that is hope. That's encouragement. And just what uh, Luke was talking about in Revelation 5, I'm going to refer to that a little bit this morning too. It's amazing that he referred to that because I'm going to jump into a little bit as well. You know, when we look at Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Jesus of Revelation is just awesome. Jesus, the Lamb of God, has defeated sin and death. Jesus, the Lamb of God, reigns and will reign forevermore. Jesus, the Lamb of God, holds the keys of hell and death. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is alive forevermore. Jesus, the Lamb of God, can bring the dead back to life. Before Christ called Lazarus out of that tomb, he declared, I alone have the ability to raise the dead to life. That is Jesus. That's the Jesus of Revelation. Jesus, the Lamb of God, as we know in Revelation, and the Word, he is coming back. He is coming back. We need to get ready, right? So here's the deal. I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, if Jesus wins. We win. Folks, we have absolutely nothing. Nothing to fear. We really don't. The enemy cannot defeat us. The enemy's already been defeated. And it just, this just, just resounds so much. You know, in, in, the, in the book of Revelation, in, in, in uh, you know, chapter 5, just like Luke was talking about, you know, the, the descriptions of Jesus are amazing. We, he, they talk about this un 
clouded brilliance this, this, of his face, right? I mean, it's just, the, the descriptions are just amazing when you look at it. And then, and then this is the part I just love when John got to this and we were reading this in Revelation 5, which Luke uh, referred to this morning. Millions upon millions of the heavenly host. They start going back and forth, back and forth. They're taking their turns. They're, they're declaring, worthy is the Lamb to open the scroll. Worthy is the Lamb to receive all power. Worthy is the Lamb to receive all riches. Worthy is the Lamb to receive all wisdom, all honor, all glory, and all blessing. Such singing, such praise. Hallelujah, just like we were singing right here. What a scene. You know, the only other thing that's even close to it, in my mind in the Bible, is also about Jesus. It's about the Jesus the baby Jesus. It's about the season we just celebrated. I mean, such singing, such praise. Just think when the incarnation took place, when God in the flesh came, we just celebrated this, and it was how fitting for us to be doing Revelation uh, before we even got into the Christmas season. But this, this, this you know, the, the, the angels come and visit the shepherds. What a scene. And it says, the multitude of the heavenly hosts well, the Greg Standard Version of the Bible says that is millions and millions, okay? That's a lot. In fact, I honestly believe the same heavenly host that's saying that when he came to this earth and gasped the first breath of air that he created and he was born into a lineage that he himself established, when, when, he, when he did that, it's just the angels that were singing about it. It's the same angels that were singing in Revelation 5. It's just, it's such singing, such praise, hallelujah, glory to God in the highest. What a moment. And our Savior, and then, so it, once again, it goes back to Revelation. You, you just keep seeing this, and you keep looking at it, and you keep working your way through it. And it's been something else for me, because every week, I'm just, I'm captivated over what is going on in the book of Revelation, and the hope and the encouragement that is there. And I finally kept asking myself, try and narrow it down to one thing. Try and cover something in the next two weeks that has really touched you to what's been going on in Revelation. And it came down to this one thing, basically. And we'll dive into that this morning. I started, I started thinking, wow, just look at who I am. Look at who I am as one who fears God, as one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and His atoning blood, and now I'm a child of God. I'm adopted into his family. Amen. And, and, and I mean, Revelation just keeps bringing that out and out. So it, it's my identity. The problem with it is, and I'll have to admit, this in my own life, and I see it in the life of others within the church, we forget who we are. It's, and so I, I, I titled this sermon, Identity Amnesia. We forget who we are. There's a pastor out there, Paul David Tripp, he says, it's, it, we're identity amnesiacs. We're walking around with our heads hanging down low. We forget who we are as children of God, of people who fear God, as ones who have been clean and washed and saved and set free by the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. So I want to take some time in the next two weeks reminding us of who we are in Christ. What is our, our, our identity? Now there's a lot of scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, about who we are as children of God. And there's a lot of good stuff in there that I think is going to be uh, you know, fun to work through, but you know, obviously we can't curve it all. So what we're going to spend most of our time in um, as we work through it is going to be in Psalms 112. 
And the reason, and the last verse, Psalms 111 and into Psalms 112. And the reason I picked this, there was something within that psalm. And, and this, what we're going to read here in this psalm, it's in many places throughout the Bible. There is a, there's a particular characteristic. There's, a, there's an identifying factor that we have as people who fear the Lord that others don't have. It's something that only those who fear God can possess. And what that something is, is true wisdom. Amen. We are the only ones who fear God. This is not looking down our nose. This is just the way it is. Those who fear God, those who are washed by the blood of Christ, those who are His children, are the ones who have true wisdom. Because we're going to find out as we work our way through this, you can't even begin the journey. You can't even start the journey of acquiring true wisdom until you fear God. Right. You, you haven't even started it. So we're, we're going to look at that process uh, in, in some pretty good detail. And probably just a couple of verses this morning. We'll see how far along um, we, we can get. But this is a huge advantage, folks. It's a huge advantage for us to live fearlessly uh, in the current world that we're living in. All right? So really, the chief aim and the chief proof of true wisdom really is fear of the Lord. And it's something we have. It's something we need to be reminded of. It's part of our identity. It's part of our very Christian DNA makeup, this true wisdom. So let's go ahead and dive into that a little bit this morning and start looking into the Word. So let's turn to Psalms 112. Get your cell phones ready. I, I, you guys probably know this. Everybody, they've heard me talk about it all the time. I sure hate cell phones. You know that? Gosh dang. But man, they're such a great thing too. The, one of the best things about them is, man, you can pull that Bible up and there's so many versions right there you can pop right through. So get your cell phones cranking this morning as we get into the 112th Psalm. And the, uh, the last verse of uh, 111, which is verse 10, and then uh, 112 through verses 1 through 10. And, and, and before, I guess before we read it, another reason I picked the Psalms is... The Psalms are so unbelievably poetic with God's Word. There is such, you know, the, the, the way that it's put forth is just, it's, it's got so much purpose and intent, yet it is God's Word. And if you look at Psalm 111 and 112, in fact, Psalms 111, all the way through Psalms 118, they're called the Hallelujah Psalms, or the Praise the Lord Psalms. Because they're so encouraging. And every one of those Psalms, 111 through 118, start with praise the Lord, or end with praise the Lord, or both. Both. They're just fantastic Psalms to work through. But what's interesting about Psalms 111 and 112, they are called the twin Psalms. Because they're just, they're so much alike. Now, the, the one, one difference is this. Psalms 111 deals with the Lord who is to be feared. And then Psalms 112 now deals with man who fears the Lord. That's why we're going to spend quite a bit of time there, but we're going to start with 111. But if, if you look at these two Psalms from the poetic point of view, I mean, both of them, they're called twins because they both have 10 verses. They both have 22 lines. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. There's a reason for that. It's part of their acoustic repeating 
um, approach to bringing out this poetry, all right? There's eight couplets to start out with, two lines, two lines, two lines, two lines, and then there's two triplets at the very end. There's, there's a reason for it. And it it's, it's, it's just so wonderful to me to see how poetic it is, yet it is the raw, powerful word of God. Amen. And so it's really interesting just to look at some of those things so I wanted to share them uh, with you all first. And as we start reading this, I want you just to ask yourself the question, who am I? Or who are we? Or who are you? Who are we as people who fear the Lord? Because we're going to find out as we start looking at wisdom and true wisdom and what we need to do to grow that wisdom, we're going to discover that there are enormous blessings or characteristics of who we are that come upon us as we work through that process. Okay, so let's, uh, Psalms 111, we'll start with uh, 111.10. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey His commandments will grow in wisdom. Some of your versions say, will have a good understanding. Others say, follow His precepts. Reading on 112.1. How joyful are those, or how blessed are those, who fear the Lord? and delight in obeying His commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy, and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will sink away their hopes thwarted. Okay, so let's do this as we're, as we're working our way through that. There's a lot there. Um, we'll start out with 111.10. We'll just, we'll just start working our way uh, uh, you know, through this. Basically, what we really want to talk about this morning, once again, is fear of the Lord. What does that look like? What is fear of the Lord? What Lord? How do we describe Him? Is He worthy of that fear? And then we will look at what it means to delight in His commandments. So, Psalm 111.10. Fear of the Lord is the foundation or the beginning of true wisdom. All who obey His commandments will grow in wisdom. We start that journey when we fear God. That wisdom grows and grows and grows when we are obedient to God's Word. And that's where the wisdom starts to really flourish. And that's where we start to grow is when we become, you know, we not only have to read the Word, we not only have to be in the Word, but as James says, we have to be doers of the Word. There's an obedience factor to God's Word that is so important for us as we start growing in that true wisdom that only those who fear God um, possess. Now, because of that fear, there are enormous, enormous blessings, which we read about here, that come upon the character of those who fear the Lord and obey His commandments. It's, it's literally part of our identity. And... Um, you know, there, there, once again, there's so many people that we know that other people are going to tell you they're really wise. 
or they themselves might tell you they're pretty dang wise, right? I don't know. But the bottom line is, as far as true wisdom is concerned, if they don't fear the triune God of all creation, they have not even started that journey. In Proverbs 1.7, we all know this Proverbs, proverb very well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, fools despise wisdom and discipline. Those people without that true wisdom who think they're really wise, unfortunately, actually fall in that category of being foolish. So, what is fear of the Lord? I mean, I've asked myself many times, this has been really fun to research. And man, there's some really, really, really good stuff out there for some fantastic students of the word uh, as I looked into this. Now, this is not the kind of fear that you might think of like in 1 John, where it says, uh, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. No, this is a different kind of fear. This is a fear that involves a deep reverence. It's a deep respect. It's awe. It's submission, honor, worship, appreciation. That's the kind of fear we're talking about. That is what fear of the Lord is. In fact, we're going to go through Greg's top three right here. All right, I gave you some of those. These are my top three. And there's scripture, by the way, to back up every one of those that I just gave you. But I'm going to, I'm going to go for the three of them right here that uh, I really like. Here's my number one favorite right here. That fear of the Lord, that deep reverence, involves acknowledgement. Acknowledgement of God as creator. It's huge. It's huge. We cannot overlook that. We simply cannot overlook that. In fact, flip over to Psalms 33. I'll go over there with you. Psalms 33, verses 8 and 9. Starting with verse 8. Let the whole world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of Him. For when He spoke, the world began. It appeared at His command. God verbally spoke and commanded this world into being. Life, creation itself. To put ourselves in a position where we think that's not the case, it's disrespectful. It's irreverent. God is the God of all creation. I mean, how appropriate something like this is on a Sanctity of Life uh, Sunday, where we celebrate life. You know, my wife has always told me, you know, it seems like, Greg, every time I run into somebody who doesn't believe that God created human beings, I find out they don't believe God created the cosmos or anything else. And when I run across people who don't believe God created the cosmos, I find out they don't believe God created human beings. He didn't create life. And it's a, it's a vicious circular of untruth. And it tells us right in the Word, I mean, folks, how many times through the, the Scriptures do we look and God is always saying, I did that, I created it, it was me. Amen. We need to really constantly remember that. That's why life is so important. That's why we value it so much. That's why uh, we need to stand up against anything that devalues life, which includes abortion. So that's number one. Number two, an undivided heart. I'm telling you, there's a lot of things in this world competing for our heart. 
It is unbelievable. It's getting worse all the time. I don't know if it's technology that's creating the problem or just the hectic lifestyles that we're living, all the different things going on, but everything's wanting a piece of our heart and that entire heart, every bit of your heart, every bit of your being should not be divided. It should be pure and set on God himself. Amen. That's the kind of fear of the Lord we're talking about here. Psalms 8611. Hope I got these in the right order for you back there, Sean. Good chance I didn't. Talks about this, this, the importance of, our, of the purity of our heart. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite. Unite. You unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to fear your name. We need to set our heart on God. That's really important. Guard your heart against those things. There's so many things that are, are competing for it. We want, when we fear the Lord, it's, it, that unite, an undivided heart does not work. It is not good. Okay? And the last one, it's kind of looking at fear of the Lord in action. All of us know this story well. Let's flip down to Genesis 22. Once again, we're just looking at ways that involve what it means to fear the Lord. Now, this is the story of Isaac and Abraham. What a story it is, right? Unbelievable. The, the faith and the trust and the different things that are going on here. But that's exactly what we're talking about here is trust. This is trust in action in relation to fear for the Lord. Starting with verse 9. So we know that... Uh, Abraham was called to sacrifice Isaac, so there. He's taken him to the place where he's going to do that. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham put an altar, built an altar, and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Boy, that's putting that fear in action, right? Boy, the amount of trust that took. But now I know. Now I know. You truly fear God. That's what fear of the Lord looks like. It's that reverence, it's that respect, it's that trust, that's, that's, it's that undivided heart, that's acknowledging him as the creator of all things. And it, it's what gives us true wisdom. It starts the journey that we take on acquiring true wisdom. Well, the other thing is, I mean, and I, you know, I've actually had some of my unbelieving friends ask me this, well, this, you know, there's a lot of other gods out there. Why is your God the God worthy of reverence? I mean... Who, who is he? And that's kind of a tough question to answer, although the Bible deals with it over and over and over again. And I, one uh, verse that I just love, verses that I love is in Isaiah 40. Now here is a description of the Lord. Here is a description that says, the Lord God Almighty absolutely has no equal. 
There you go, Greg. The next time one of your friends say that, it's simple, guys. I worship God because he has no equal. Nothing, nothing, nothing compares to God. Let's look at uh, verses 12 through 31. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? The King James Version says, measured the waters. That's like all water, right? Measure the waters in the hollow of his hand. I mean, who, who can hold the oceans, all the water of all creation in the palm of his hand? Only God. What a description. Only God. Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Does someone teach him what is right? Or show him the path of justice? No. For all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it was a grain of sand. There's another real strong visual here. Nothing compares. Nothing compares. Believe me, God is worthy of your respect and your fear. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The cedars of Lebanon, so, so famous, so important back then. It's not, you could pile them all up. It's not enough. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing. More empty, mere emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold, and decorated with silver chains? Or if the people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay, and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Do, don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? Who brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name? Because of his great power and incorruptible strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But... Those who trust in the Lord, they're going to find new strength. They will never, they will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Amen. Now I know that's a long passage there, folks, but I just really wanted us to get a picture 
this God who has no equal, with whom we fear, who is our creator, who is our redeemer, and who, when we fear him, takes us down this path of true wisdom. Okay, let's go back to Psalms 112. Wow, that was just one verse. Which is one reason why we're breaking this into two weeks. And let's look at verse 1 of the 112th Psalm. This is just a continuation of the 10th verse of the 111th Psalm. Just puts a little more depth into it. How joyful, how blessed are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. Alright, there's some really there's a lot in that little one little short verse right there when we look at it. But you know, those who fear the Lord, <laughs> joy is part of it, guys. I think a lot of times we really forget that. You know, life gets to going around, you know, there, there, there's this delighting in God's word. It's going to bring joy. Amen. It's going to bring joy. And that true wisdom you possess, you're, you're going to experience joy. And, and, and those who fear in the Lord greatly delight in obeying His Word. Brothers and sisters, we need to be in the Word. Amen. I, there are many days, I, 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 I guess I don't really feel like I want to get in the Word. I'm, I'm not even so sure how much I'm going to delight it, but I, I, you know... I march my butt up to that chair and I, and I make myself open up that Bible and within a minute I'm praising God and I'm delighting in His Word. Amen. And, 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 and if we, if that is so important in our life. And then I need to, of course, take that and then apply it in my life in obedience to the Word and grow in my own wisdom. Now there are a lot of great examples of joy and delighting in God's Word. But one of my favorite now, I've got a couple others even more. I like more than this one. But I'm going to share this one because it's out of Nehemiah, Mark. And uh, <laughs> Mark's getting ready to do an adult Bible study uh, in, uh, right after this service in Nehemiah. You know, it's, what a fantastic, fantastic book. So let's go to Nehemiah real quick. So they've, they've, re they've rebuilt the wall. And everybody's gotten together. Let's see what verses I decided to go with on this one. Slow it down a little bit here. We'll start with verse 7, we'll go through 18. And there is an unbelievable seven-day celebration of delighting in the Word of God that takes place uh, in, the, in these verses in Nehemiah. Okay? So what's happened is, the wall's done, and every day the Levites, Ezra and others, are getting up on a wood platform, and from early morning till noon at least, every day, they're reading God's Word to them. And the people are, are just getting so excited and so happy. And at the same time, they're feeling very convicted because they're starting to understand God's word. They are, they're growing in wisdom. So seven, the Levites... Uh, oh, okay, we're just going to say the Levite dudes, okay? There you go. There's a bunch of them there. We won't worry about those names, okay? The Levites instructed the people in the law... while everyone remained in their places. 
They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the Levites, who were um, interpreting for the people, said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God, for the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. They were getting convicted. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Do not, do not be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If anybody wants to know where that verse is at in the Bible, there it is, right there. It's in Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Right. Psalms 147, 11 tells us, The Lord is joyful and pleased and delighted in those who fear him. And the Levites, too, quieted the people, telling them, Don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink a festive meal, to share gifts of food, and to celebrate with great joy. Because they had heard God's word, and they had understood God's word. Amen. What an unbelievable celebration. And if you read on, it goes into the, the festival of the, of the, uh, of the shelters, and basically what happens there, they're reading through the law and they go, oh wait, what's this thing? We haven't done this in a long time. So now all of a sudden they're reading the word and they're going, we need to do that. They're becoming obedient. So they build these shelters and for seven days they have this fantastic celebrations. It says here the Israelites had not celebrated like this since the days of Joshua. Great joy. Delighting in God's word is so, so important in our lives. And we need to take the time to do it. That's, that's where that true wisdom grows. Let, let's see what Jesus says about it. Let's go over to John. John 15, 9 through 11. Here's a, a New Testament. Scripture that supports this. The joy side of it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Here we go. All right. John 15, 9 through 11. And this, this, this means so much because we know we're no longer under the law. Jesus did not demolish the law. He fulfilled the law. Listen to what he says here in verses 9 through 11. I have loved you even as much as the Father has loved you. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Obeying those commandments, being in God's Word, there's tremendous delight and joy that takes place in that. It's, it's so, so important in our lives. I've got one more verse I'd like to share uh, in relation to this joy. Um, and it, 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 it's typical Paul fashion, right? It's, it's, it's very complicated, it's deep, you have to really work your way through it. But man, does it ever get the message across. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.16. I'm going to skip one on you here. This is the kind of verse I want to have right here. Alright? Rejoice always. The King James says rejoice evermore, period. In my book, that makes it a two-word verse. It ties with Jesus wept. Okay? Now we, now we have two verses in the Bible that are 
Just two words. Rejoice evermore. I mean, you know, Paul's one of these guys, I swear, he's got like an eight-paragraph sentence, and then he says something like this, right? In fact, if you didn't get anything out of this morning, just read uh, you know, 5, 16, 17 in 1 Thessalonians. It's, it's, you had a three-point sermon right there. It's real simple, right? Rejoice evermore, pray always, and give thanks always for all circumstances. There you go. Those three things, you go out there and do those this week, you'll be in great shape. We need to be a people who rejoice always. We are a people that have true wisdom. Those who fear the God are the only ones who have that true wisdom. That true wisdom, which it, 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 it's what helps navigate us through this fallen world we're living in. It's so important to us, folks. We do not need to be living in fear. We don't need to be anxious. All these different things that the world is tugging at us, the hectic skills we're in, walk in that true wisdom. Walk in obedience to God's word and follow that roadmap, his word. That's where the real purpose is. That's where the real peace is. That's where the real, the real comfort is. We need to follow the map. We need to spend time in God's word. We need to delight in God's word. So now, we know we are people of true wisdom. We know we delight in the word of God, and we're called to do that. We know we're called to obey it. So now what? What happens? Well, next week, we're going to finish up the rest of it, and we're going to look at all those verses that talks about the different things, the blessings, the identifying characteristics that fall upon those who fear the Lord. And there's going to be some good ones there to dive into and explain and go through with Scripture. So, looking forward to that. Um, Luke, why don't you come on up? And I think it would be really fitting this morning, uh, as we praise our Lord, we'll, we'll end it by singing the doxology. Praise God God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify God and our God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. May you go out in the peace of the Lord and remember that we are new creation in Christ. You are dismissed. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, 
visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.